When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week number 821 brought to you by Mac Weldon. Visit macweldon.com slash iFanboyPod and enter the promo code iFanboyPod for 20% off your first order. And iFanboy listeners just like you who eschew invasion of sovereign territories. Hey, welcome to iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 821. I am enunciating. I'm Josh Flanagan. I'm Irish. It is the week of St. Patrick's Day, and I'm Irish. Josh Flanagan is there in the script. I'm Irish-American, and here with me is, is my lovely co-host, the grand one himself, Paddy Kilpatrick, a Scotsman. <laughs> my mom's side is Irish. My dad's side is Scottish. I'm mixed. Well, to be fair, your name literally means the Church of Patrick, so it <laughs> seems to apply to St. Patrick's Day, so that's, that's true. fair enough. Fair enough it is. Yeah. We are iFanboy, and every week uh, one of us picks the book they like the best from their stack of comics. Several people hold on to the worst stereotype about a people, and they drink themselves to excess while wearing green and calling it a party. <laughs> I'm the worst Irishman. <laughs> And we call the book that they like best the pick of the week. And and this rem- this reminds me, I'm going to bring up a thing that because we were talking with our uh, erstwhile third co-host Ryan about what makes the pick of the week. Yeah. And I thought it was really interesting. You know, the idea is like, is it the most fun book? Is it the best book? You know, it's basically the best book of the person who's picking it. But it can be for any reason. Right. I sort of put it as it's whatever affects you the most. It could be it's a page entirely turn. personal choice. It could be for anyone. Yes. Yeah. And that's what it is. It's uh, Pick of the Week means that they did something right to affect you as a reader, which I think is the point of all you know stories, basically. All art, yeah. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that book. We're going to talk about other books from the week. We will talk about a patron pick, which is a book that you all who have uh, subscribed to the iFanboy Patreon picked and voted upon. We will listen to some mail, answer mail. There will be mail, mail, mail answered. If we have time, I bet we will. I hope so. You know, it's uh, you've probably looked at the news or avoided the news, in which case, you know, it's not a heck of a lot of fun right now. So take this next hour and change and uh, and enjoy yourself because that's what we'll be doing. There will be spoilers about the books. So if that really ruins your enjoyment, then, I mean, you need to worry about a different thing. Connor, you had the pick of the week. I did, and I'll talk about it as soon as the Comicsology app loads. Still loading. 
God, this app is so fucked. My pick is Batman Superman, world's finest number one. It was the easiest pick I've had in a while. Written by Mark Wade, art by Dan Mora, Tamara Bonvillon, and Adita Bittikar on the creative team. I've been looking forward to this book for a long time, way back since it was announced. I saw on Dan Mora's Instagram account these character designs. Mark Wade is someone who was a big deal when we were younger, especially at DC, all throughout the 90s and 2000s, comic book legend who had a falling out with the DC brass, mostly Dan DiDio. Dan DiDio. Not going to work here anymore. Didn't work at DC for a long, 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 long time. I worked at various other companies, Boom and other places. But now that Dan DiDio is no longer running DC, Mark Wade is back. And, you know, Wade can write whatever he wants. He did great stuff at Marvel. We really enjoyed that History of Marvel Universe miniseries he did recently. But, you know, he's at home at DC. This is his world. It's like Jeff Johns. Jeff Johns can write whatever he wants, but he's at home at DC. And this is a book that takes place in sort of a nebulous time in the past of DC. You don't really worry about it continuity-wise. It's, it's, I think it's, again, if I could ever scroll to the front. The beginning says the not-too-distant past. And it's a very classic look at Superman Batman sometime, you know, early in their run. It's Batman and Robin. Dick Grayson is Robin. So it's early on. It's just a classic adventure of the blue and gray suited Batman. For some reason, with the Batman 89 logo on his chest, which I don't understand why. And Superman. This was just a great old school, super goshy Superman Batman story with just really terrific art from Dan Mora, who is one of my favorite I keep saying new artist. He's been around for at least five years, but newish artists on the scene. Now, this was a gorgeous book. It was fun. It featured tons of supporting characters. Went to a flashback of even older appearance by the characters. It was just this really super awesome Batman Superman story. And the only negative I have to say about it is, and it's not the book's fault, a couple of weeks ago we had a Detective Comics issue where they used a quote-unquote prelude story from this book, which was just the first like 10 pages. And I hate when they do that. I don't want to feel like I've, I'm reading an issue and realize I've read half of it already. Mm-hmm. I was hoping that it wasn't that, but it was. It was like the first five pages from this story. I never read those. Smart on you. I haven't read a preview of a comic since Civil War. For that very reason, I remember Civil War number one feeling less impactful because I'd already read half of it in preview. Mm-hmm. I literally haven't read a preview of a comic since then. It's interesting because I was downloading the books that I was going to read for the week and making my list. And I was looking through the list and I saw Superman, Batman, World Finest, Mark Wade, and Dan Mora. And I, and I went, oh, that's going to be his pick of the week. And not, <laughs> not five minutes later, did I get an email from you? <laughs> Because you finished your books early, you know, that said that was the pick of the week. And I was like, well, that was an easy call. Like, I hadn't read it yet. I just saw the cover and I was like, well, unless it's about killing children, (laughs) that's going to be your jam. I think it was a big old handful of gosh. You know, right away, I was like, oh, we're just doing a story here. There's red Mm -hmm. and blue and yellow and we're not in the midst of any other, you know, big world-ending things. It's kind of an old-timey adventure with... There was even, like, a perilous trap, you know, yeah. that Robin was put in, which is sort of as classic as a Batman story gets. You know, kryptonite and all of the basic... The red kryptonite, all of the most... I mean, they're really, they're Silver Age tropes more than anything, which is Mark Wade's real area of It's a modern Silver Age story. Yeah, yeah. It kept building, right? So it was started mm-hmm. off with yep. Poison Ivy in Metropolis, and Batman Run Robin show up to help Superman fight her, and then Metallo shows up, and then the Metal Men show up. Like it just it kept building mm-hmm. as it went to this giant, not story, but giant sort of DC experience. Yeah, and it was fun. It was fun. 
we flash back to sort of more of a golden age version of these characters where Robin's being hung upside down, a vat of whatever it is, acid or something. It did feel like I had found a box of comics, you know, from the mid 80s. Yeah. And sort of just picked one up and started reading it, but done into modern standards, I guess. There's even the Chord characters. Like, it's all kinds of... It's almost like <laughs> Mark Wade's been in the wilderness for so long, he's got all these characters he wants to write, and so he stuffed them all into this book. <laughs> even the cover just sort of speaks yeah. of, like, this is just an adventure, putting as many... This world's finest. As many of these people as you can put together. Right. Yeah. It's a fun take. So we have more of an older teenage Dick Grayson. In a flashback, he's a younger kid, but here he's... Yeah, maybe he's 16 or something, and so mm-hmm. he's a little older, a little more seasoned. He's got the classic suit, but added pants. He's got the full classic suit in the flashback. Superman gets stabbed in the heart with red kryptonite, a melange of different strains of red kryptonite. So he's got all these problems, so they have to figure out how to solve them, and that's how the metal men get involved. And Lois and Jimmy and Perry, it's very classic. If Mark Wade wants to live in this, I don't say non-continuity, but, you know. Bubble. Somewhat in the past bubble, I'd be happy with that, because he's very good at this. Do you know all the types of kryptonite? Do you know what they do? Or like the main ones anyway? As I said in the book, red does different things depending on the quote-unquote strain of the kryptonite. You know, like the different... <laughs> red does basically whatever they want it to do. It changes his personality. It does all kinds of things. They used to use it on Smallville to make him into the bad boy. <laughs> There's like silver and you know, black kryptonite. They're just, they're just story devices to do whatever they need to do to find yeah. Superman. And, but I believe that like Mark Wade literally has... Oh, I'm sure he, it's, he knows Encyclopedic knowledge of these things like he knows these silver edge comics back and forth what an impressive set of skills that he has yeah like in terms of his approach to comic books he only seems dated when he's doing something like this which is purposely dated like he can do Mm -hmm. any type of comic and it's funny because you know there was the thing for the whole time where you know he and didio didn't get along and if you've ever spent Anytime watching or listening to Mark Wade, you can be like, yeah, I get that. <laughs> like, he's not necessarily the guy you want to go to the business meeting with because he's smart and he's often right and he's strong-willed. And, you know, these are all the things that make a great storyteller. But I can also be like, yeah, I don't want to work with him. <laughs> like, but, you know, that's only like part of it in an appearance. Obviously, he's been an editor-in-chief. He's, I think and he's the deal is the same, th- same way. That's the thing. Yes, that's, that's true. Sort of the same that's personality. True. I do want to mention, you mentioned the colors, the Tamara Bonvillon. Colors are terrific in this. As you said, it's very four-color superhero-y. Mm-hmm. There's no shying away from the Batman who is wearing his pre... I don't know when they switched over back to black, but he's in his like blue and gray. There's no hiding it. And Robin is bright red and yellow and green, and Superman is in his bright blue and red, and it's just not New 52 designs. It's just classic DC, and it's very bright colored. Even the flashback to the older style, the more golden age designs, it's still pretty brightly colored. It's beautifully colored. And Dan Mora, I'm just scrolling through these pages. Every page is just crazy action and dynamic panels. Overwrought screams. Yeah. I don't mean that in a bad way. But when you're flipping through this page by page, the color does so much so much legwork in setting up what kind of a scene you're in. You know, mm-hmm. it, when you... when things are fraught and it's dangerous it's you know red and black and that red is muted a little bit like you instantly get a signal to like where we are you know as opposed to you're standing you know in metropolis and looking up at the blue sky so you know where you are there and that kind of adventure is happening and even you know like uh, let's say we're talking about page 25 
And it's when, who's the giant lady from Doom Patrol? Jesus, everybody is in this. <laughs> I know. Elastic Woman. Yeah. You know, when she first shows up, the sky behind her is blue, but there's sort of, it's actually a bluish, greenish, yellowish. It's but, a teal, uh, yeah. But there's sort of smoke all over the place. You flip the page, and all of a sudden, the drama has started up because Superman showed up, and everything is red. Yeah, the sky's red, yeah. Yeah, they're constantly, like panel by panel, they're warning you of the, you know, the drama is being ratcheted up just by the background of the color, which is, you know, it seems like a pretty obvious thing, but it, it really works to great effect if you can do it well. And it depends mm-hmm. on how you approach it. Like if you're approaching it from a realistic point of view or an impressionistic point of view, but this color is being approached from a dramatic point of view. Yeah. It's a really good tool to use. Superman hallucinating from the Red Kryptonite allows him to throw even more characters in, you know, so he's hallucinating. Yeah. Zod and then Lex Luthor. So he's really throwing the kitchen sink into this first issue. It's, it feels like a very big first. This is your money's worth. It's bigger than a regular copy. It's thirty. It's almost forty pages. Not counting double threads, but it seems like there's thirty-four pages of content. Right. In fact, I don't think there are any double page spreads. So, yeah, it's thirty-four pages of content. Yeah, it's a it's a big meaty story. It's a lot of fun. Thirty-two, but <laughs> minus the covers. Well, no, the, yeah, there's a couple of in, there's the recap page and then a house ad. But either way, it's it's long. It's not twenty pages. It's fifty percent bigger than a regular comic. So anyway, this was incredibly fun. This was an incredibly easy choice. It was a very light week. Yeah, not super light in terms. It felt like it was lighter than normal. This was head and shoulders above other other comics. Some weeks it just slaps you in the face, and this was one of those weeks. There wasn't mm-hmm. even had to think about it. Batman Superman World's Finest number one. I'm extremely excited for whatever this is. I don't know if it's an ongoing. I don't know if it's a miniseries. Whatever it is, I'll take whatever they want to give me. And I hope that everyone checks it out, who loves DC and also has been around long enough to remember Mark Wade on it and misses his work. Because for a long time, he was the man at DC. Mm-hmm. Kingdom Come, 52, Flash. He was the guy. And uh, he's been gone for a long time. When did he stop? Like, when did that... Was it, like, right away with Dan DiDio? Or he was the one who said, I don't want to work with Dan DiDio. It wasn't the other way around. It's been so long. that The discussion in the Discord this week was, when, when did actually did the rift happen and... And somebody dug up an old interview where they had a big fight over 52. Right. So was that five oh five. That was that was Early? we were doing the video show because we did the whole video okay. show about 52. So it was probably about you know late 08, late 2000s 08. Yeah. yeah, around there. That's a long time. Yeah, he's been gone a long time. Long time. So another book I really enjoyed this week was Reckoning War: Trial of the Watcher. Technically, it's number one, but it's just a one shot. Written by Dan Slott with art by Javier Rodriguez, who did the History of Marvel. Miniseries oh, yeah. with Mark Wade, and of course Joe Caramagna and letters. Now, this is basically an extended "what if" story, very meta, where Watu is on trial from the other Watchers in the Reckoning War. We've been talking about it. The Watchers' creation has shown up. They're this race of people that they screwed up earlier in their development, so now they're wrestling with their own culpability in the Reckoning War. But Watu is the one saying, "Hey, we have to really get involved and, and help save." earth and the rest of the watchers like we don't do that in fact we're gonna put you on trial for all the times you've meddled and so here they put him in the clockwork orange chair and make him witness all the times he has meddled and there's a point where they say you spent so much time looking into these other possible universes you weren't really watching and that's a in joke to the fact that the what if comic was always narrated by watu he would always talk about these other possibilities and so here we see like a Double-page spread of all these classic what-if stories. Captain America become president. Spider-Man joined the Fantastic Four. Then we get an extended what-if story in which what if Watu had never interfered with the coming of Galactus and the Fantastic Four have to defeat him themselves. And they do, but to great cost, which is usually how the what-if stories went. 
I really like this. The art was terrific. Like the previous book, very silver agey. I feel bad I didn't read it. <laughs> I always love a what if story. It's just it was terrific. I don't love Watcher stories. Like I don't love Guardians stories. Mm-hmm. It's almost the same thing. Which just like I don't know. It just, it just doesn't grab me that that sort of haughty. You know, like you've ruined the balance and <laughs> yeah. I had to and. I don't know. It doesn't really get me. Well, here it's mostly they're just, again, they're sort of just narrating as they yeah. watch the Fantastic Four have to try to defeat Galactus on their own terms, not knowing what's going on, not knowing what's coming. And it does it does tie in. I'm really enjoying the Reckoning War, so I'm not saying I'm going to read everything involved with it, but I, I mean, I'm in on it. That's one of the reasons why I read it. This ends with stupid Nick Fury, the you know, <laughs> bald Nick Fury on the moon or whatever saying he's got to get involved. It continues into the next issue of Fantastic Four. Balls is better than, yeah, or whatever he, you know, I won't say it. I'm not going to say it out loud. What he was before. With his dumb right. name and his hood and his chains. And he's still wearing the hood. He's wearing the classic Silver Age shield suit and the hood. He was like the specter before. Right, yes. He was the eye. There was nothing Nick Fury about him. Right. You know, whereas now at least there's something Nick Fury about him. Josh, I would recommend you go back and read this. Okay. I think I just saw it, and I don't think I know what the Reckoning War is. Like, when you say it, I was like, all right, it's that thing. But it just sounded like one of those sort of offshoot crossover things that I wouldn't have paid attention to. It's very good. In a week where World's Finest doesn't come out, this would be the pick, for sure. I will get on that. I wanted to know where we are with what's the furthest place from here. Number five is out. Where are you with this book? What are your thoughts? That's a complicated question, Connor. (laughs) I know. Matthew Rosenberg, Tyler Boss. I don't know that I fully feel like I have the lay of the land. And where at first that was good, it is now getting to the point where there's actually so much going on. And so, and you can actually see it on the very first title page after the cover. There's a big Dramatis Personae, you know, with a bunch of names. A bunch, there's actually a bunch of cartoon heads. It's a beautiful design, by the way. Mm-hmm. But I, I've lost, I don't know that I ever had a thread. Yeah. Like, I recognize things in it. I was like, all right, that's this person. But, and I kind of get the lay of the land. And I don't think that that's entirely unintentional. I th- You know, the, the way that it's broken into these chapters, you know, that it, it doesn't feel entirely linear. Although it is. I think it's chronologically linear. Mm-hmm. I think that moments in this have drama that work. But I have a hard time stitching all of those things together with the overarching story. I'm not sure I remember who the strangers are versus (laughs) the rules. And then there's this sort of flashbacky hallucination where the one guy is back in the store and the girl who's missing, who's pregnant, shows up. And, you know, I don't feel like I have footing or grounding in the world yet. I feel very similar. I finished this issue and I felt the same way I usually do when I finish this comic is it's beautiful. There's always two or three things that make me laugh. Yeah, there's, there's really good moments. I think Rosenberg's really good with scene construction and pacing. There's a couple of things, you know, here where funny things happen in the background of scenes. But I decided it's the comic book version of Stranger Things. I watch Stranger Things. I don't care one whit about the uh, overall plot. I just don't care. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I've lost the thread on that seasons ago. I don't care. I watch it because the actors are really good and the characters are terrific and it's funny. I don't care about the upside down or whatever, the whole thing. I don't care. don't understand it. I stopped trying. And that's kind of where I feel about this. I don't understand the world. I don't understand the overarching thing with the strangers. I'm mostly just watching for great art and funny character bits. But there's just so many. There's like 45 people in this Dermatis Persona in the beginning. Yeah. Well, many of them are duplicates. You know, there's a scene in here where 
one of the characters has been accused of wrongdoing. He steals a stuffed animal from a carnival. Like, they're at this terrifying post-apocalyptic carnival. And like everything else, it seems completely normal, but there are rules and everything is much more savage than it would be in real life. And so he, he, you know, there's a little funny bit at the beginning where he steals a bear because he can't win it. And, you know, like basically in order, instead of paying money, like you trade food Mm -hmm. or your shoes or whatever. Yep. And they sort of distract him and he makes off with the bear. And you think, oh, that's just a little funny thing that happened in the beginning. But it turns out that there's consequences for that. And they capture him and put him in a dunk tank, but they put him in upside down. And, you know, the challenge like, you get three balls to hit the target and get him out, you know, and they, they can't do it. And then the third one, he hits it right in the middle and then nothing happens. And they, the kid drowns, mm-hmm. you know, and it's constantly shifting, you know, what you think is going to happen, your expectations, your priorities. You kind of don't know what's heavy and what's not. And, and again, I think there's got to be some intention there because if you lived in a world where there is we do there's constant danger you would begin to make light of it you know everybody knows like if you listen to soldiers you know talk about war there's a sardonic humor to it and i feel like that's kind of what's going on here but it's with these sort of post-apocalyptic sarcastic ironic kids they move on very quickly from this kid's death yes but would they would i mean no i'm not saying it's wrong i'm just saying that's what happens is that they're on to other things the band of gangs and groups can be very funny and weird, and that's the part I'm holding on to is interesting. It's just the overall thing, this world, the strangers, these scenes where they see like the larger consequence, like they're on the beach, and they actually say the title, you know, what's the furthest place yeah. from here? I don't understand what's going on there. So I want to really love it because I love Tyler Boss's art, and I think Matthew Rosenberg's a great writer, but I'm having really a hard time caring about the overall it's i mean it's it. very abstract yeah but it's not abstract in the way like i'm annoyed by it and right. that's i, think, I like the reading difference. it yeah yeah but do i know what's going on no not really it's 100 percent how i feel about watching stranger things i just don't care about the major story I just, but i just quit that i was like i don't i don't know what's going on i don't care right i'm just happy yeah. to hang out with the kids the same way that here like i'm happy to hang out with these kids yeah i'd say that's right but it's definitely like one of those it can't be for everybody thing. And, and I, you know, I'm largely spurred on the, by the fact that like I like these two creators. I love the way that Matthew Rosenberg writes comics. Mm-hmm. And so with that kind of thing, it's half about enjoying it. And it's half about like, what is he? It's like trying to deconstruct. Like, what's the what's he trying to get at here? And that's right. interesting for me. Not with everybody. We hung on with a house by the lake for a while, whatever it's called, you know. And it's like, yeah. what's he trying to do here? And eventually I was like, I don't care. You know, that could happen, but I'm not here with this book. Right. Yeah. I suppose it was too much to ask to get three Bruno Redondo comics in one month. You had to pay for it, is what you did. Yeah. You got two beautiful Bruno Redondo comics, and then uh, Geraldo Borges was the guy who had to do the work on this one, and in comparison, it wasn't as good. Nightwing 90, Tom Taylor. I would be happy just have this book be monthly and have Bruno Redondo do as much as he possibly can. I don't need it to come out twice a month. It comes out twice a month. I've lost track. They're still doing. Uh, we've had two this month. I don't know anymore. It's impossible. But to those keep were track. super. That was Superman. He wrote the Superman one too, or drew the Superman one too. So it was right. But he he did the first part of Nightwing '89, which is part one of the Superman thing this month, and then I don't know. Well, actually, you know, technically speaking, we're in a month. I don't know. You're right. Maybe it's monthly. You're right. It's impossible to know. It is impossible to know. That's exactly correct. This artist seems to be trying to stick in the Bruno Redondo style. Mm-hmm. They either that or they found somebody very similar. Yeah. You know, and I feel like I'm bagging on it. Like, it's not terrible art, but compared to, 
Redondo, I, you know, I started picking it apart and I started seeing things like, this doesn't make any sense. I, I, I reached out to, we should probably talk about the actual book, but there's yeah. a bit here where they're at Wally West's house. Wally West looks yeah. weird in his uniform, by the way. I think they drew him with a realistic body and that's a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> He's a little keg shaped and I was like, that's not, he, you can make him not real. It's fine. Anyway, they get to Wally West's house and you don't really notice it at first. And, and Dick is sort of in the couch on this oddly shaped sectional sofa and it's blocking the stairs and the table and chairs are huge. And I, like, it just slowly dawned on me as I looked around, I was like, this isn't right. And I can't even point to what's not right. I have the same thought, but not about that scene. This is also at Wally and Linda's house because this whole issue is a Wally Dick team up. Look on page 10 of your digital reader, the nightstand. Look how big it is. It's Linda's it's, reaching for the phone, but the lamp is way in the background. It's way too far forward. Yeah, so she would constantly be banging her knee on that thing getting out of bed. Yeah, yeah the interior of the house doesn't make any sense. The yeah. garage is gigantic. <laughs> Actually, what the hell kind of house is that? What's the left side of it? I don't know. It's like there's a tower. <laughs> it's such a... But like their living room is tiny. I was like, I guess they have an apartment. It's the That's weirdest thing. Apparently the kid... The, and look... The door is huge. None of this should matter. But I noticed it. And I don't, I'm, I mean, what does it tell you? This is what we're talking about. You have a Dick Grayson Wally West team up. This should have been the greatest thing ever. Where we're like, what's wrong with their house? <laughs> Why is the couch in the middle of the room? It doesn't make sense. And also, it's on a hardwood floor. That fucker's sliding. Every time yeah. you sit down, you got to brace that against something. Come on. Yeah, the scene before it looks like it's up against the wall, but then the next scene it's in the middle of the room. It's weird. Yeah. So what about the issue? The story-wise, I liked it. You know, Dick's in trouble, and you know his best friend immediately runs to his aid, and I love that stuff. You know, like he doesn't even think about it; he just runs yeah, to help I like that. his buddy. So the, this whole thing is that the villains of Bloodhaven are trying to kill Dick Grayson, not Nightwing, but Dick Grayson, because he's using his fortune to help the city. And so in this issue, they fire some missiles at his apartment complex and blow it up and and Nightwing has to save the residents and Wally shows up to help and and when he finds out that Dick is the target he doesn't even think about it he says well, let's go to my house and and before Dick can even say well hold on they're already in the living room mm-hmm. and they're already he's he's going to just crash at his house for a while so I love all that stuff I couldn't tell on page 18 are the kids freaked out about having him there his daughter certainly seems to be freaking out is she in love with him I thought it was that they just wanted like they were waiting for him to wake up so they could get on their screens. Right, that was the joke, but like, look at her eyes. Well, that dog, out. dog is on acid. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> in the house is on acid. <laughs> no, I think it's they're excited like he just woke. I've seen this look on children, so this I'm not going to... He's up, we can have our stuff now. Right. That's kind of what's happening. And then an unfortunate bit of timing, the villain of this is the KG Beast. But story-wise, it was fun, and it's got all the great Tom Taylor character stuff you want. And again, like you said, Geraldo Borges, or Borges is not a bad artist, but it's just there was enough that kept distracting me from the story. The anatomy that he does isn't wrong, but it ain't superheroes. You know, like there's a shot of, let's see, page 20. You've got Barbara in a tall left-hand panel, and it's kind of low angle, and she's wearing oh, yeah. pants from the early 2000s. And then you go to that next panel, which is the top panel on the right, the, the mm-hmm. killer, the guy in the... Look, look at his face. Does his face look right? No. And that Tom Taylor's in that panel, too. He's the guy in the flat coat. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I thought that was like somebody from the Dropkick Murphys or something like that. <laughs> Some Boston <laughs> band. It is uh, St. Patrick's Day. 
The other hard part about having Bruno Redondo be so thoughtful about his art is that they're doing some very specific things. You know, like he's drawing Barbara to be very sort of stylish and hip. Yeah. Not in the hipster way that she was being done in the Burnside stories. Yeah. When other artists do it, they don't translate it, you know? Right. Same thing with Dick. He's got a very specific look when Bruno Redondo draws him. He wears those t-shirts and, you know, here he's wearing a DC t-shirt, but it's not the same kind of thing. No, it isn't. I was like, so it's just a DC shirt? How many times has Dick Grayson woken up in a bed in a t-shirt in this series? It's a lot. <laughs> it must be really cold in Bloodhaven. He's supposed to be still together, but he's always like, "Did I? what am I doing? Where are we? <laughs> you know, he's rubbing his hair. Uh-huh. By the way, it is very difficult to control hair of that length. Yeah, you can't really put it back. On a regular day-to-day basis, and he's out there superheroing in it, and I gotta give him credit. Yeah. It's a lovely head of cartoon hair. I, I don't want to seem like we're totally bashing. I had fun reading it, but there was also totally. things where I was I'm, just like, oh man, what's going on? I mean, on? let's be honest. This is the most fun I've had talking about a comic book so far. <laughs> These are gold nuggets. These are great. Can we talk about Wally's hair, by the way? When's the last time you saw a person with that haircut? It was a great haircut in 2001. <laughs> yeah, I'll say 98, but probably a little further yeah. into the 2000s. Sorry, I'll stay. He's got the writers got the They, they got to figure out what's going on with Wally West and The Flash. I mean, between this book and, and his own book, which I think came out, yeah, it came out this week also, all of a sudden we're back in the 90s Flash. Like, his family's back. He's back with Linda. Like, where did Barry go? It, you're right. It, I know where Barry went, but like, they just sort of wrote him off. Wally is the Flash in Justice League, which also came out this week, but he wears Barry's lab coat in the Hall of Justice. Like, that's Barry's coat. Wally's not a scientist. Like, it's just all very confusing. I saw that, yeah. And I, you know what? I saw it, but I didn't remark it, but I did notice it was like, he's wearing a lab coat. This issue, actually, when, when Wally shows up, I thought, where's he been? And it's like he's living some suburban life somewhere. Yep. And I, it was weird. It felt like it was from out of nowhere. <laughs> Did it just reset everything, or am I not paying attention? And the answer is I'm not paying attention, but, <laughs> you know, it's weird. It wasn't right. Yeah. Hey, Connor. Yeah. Y- you know what time it is. It's time to talk about your under things. Yeah. It's no secret we all want to look our best this spring. Some of us have to work harder at it than others. <laughs> Mac Weldon is the expert when it comes to stylus essentials, perfect for the new season. Whether you want to upgrade your sweats collection or need gear that stands up to the changing weather, we call that shoulder seasons around here. And oh my God, do I love dressing for shoulder seasons. Mac Weldon has exactly what you're looking for. If that's not convenient enough, let me tell you about Mac Weldon's daily wear system. All the clothes work together for real. So if you're headed to work, going for a run, hanging on the couch, getting dressed, it takes no effort at all. Listen, last night, yep. I'm on the couch because there's nowhere to go. And I'm wearing my Mack Weldon Ace hoodie. Oh. And my wife reaches over, and she affectionately touches me, because... She still likes you after We all still like years. each other. It's 20-plus years. She's my best friend, really into each other. Just need everybody to know that. But she touches my sweatshirt, and she goes, it's really soft. And I go, that's Mack Weldon. And she goes, I know. I wish they made <laughs> stuff for me. I'm not making this. So this is literally the conversation I had last night. And I was uh-huh. like, you know, there's a lot of places who make clothes just for women, you know. <laughs> this one's mine. <laughs> so it's just it's just for me i was thinking the other day that it's going to be too hot to wear my mac weldon ace hoodie and i'm not happy about that but there's other things that you can wear and they mm-hmm. do work well together i've used them as part of my skiing layering system mm-hmm. that i've got they've got the atlas jogger the half zip full zip jacket they're built for Success, rain or shine, comfortable weather uh, resistant, and eco-responsible fabrics. So I feel good in them as I feel good about wearing them. It is all about water-resistant yet breathable fabrics that are also ecologically sustainable. That's the whole thing with the outerwear now. And and they're doing the right thing. If you're looking to step up your daily routine, 
you're looking at your janky t-shirt and you're like, is there something better than this? I guarantee you that there is. And I think it is worth the investment. That's what I have decided. So check out Mac Weldon for yourself. Stave 20% off your first order at MacWeldon.com slash iFanboyPod. It's the promo code iFanboyPod. You'll notice I've added the pod because it was not there previously, so try to remember that part. Again, MacWeldon.com slash iFanboyPod. Promo code iFanboyPod for 20% off your first order. Find your perfect look this spring. Get real comfortable. I've got pairs of underwear. They just won't wear out. Why won't Mm. these wear out? (laughs) They don't, though. It's worth it. Stillwater, The Escape. This is a one-shot and sort of anthology book. It's about 40 pages. I still like Stillwater. Well, it's about a mid-level band struggling to, struggling to come to terms with their limitations in the harsh face of stardom. I held myself back. There was a moment where I paused because I was going to go that way. I memorized that phrase months ago. <laughs> for this exact moment and you set it up and I was like yes <laughs> tell him this he'll wet himself <laughs> so Stillwater is the story it's Chip Zdarsky and the, the main book is Chip Zdarsky and Ramon Perez and they do the they do the main story here but Stillwater as we talked about before is the story of a town I think it's in Canada they're both Canadian really I thought it was in like Texas or something look at those trees okay well I don't know I assumed it's Canada because they're both Canadian huh who knew? I don't know. Where is Stillwater? So it's a town where no one can die. Everyone heals. No one ages. Everything is stuck in stasis. And it's run by a totalitarian group of people who don't want anyone to find out about it. And there's a lot of murder. Well, can't be murder. But I feel like we're talking about being on the edge of liking it or not liking it or stop reading it. Every time I think I'm on that point, something interesting happens. Like the kids take over. Or here, I liked this a lot. This was an anthology called The Escape, all about people who have supposedly escaped town the urban legends of people who have actually made it out and i really liked it and there was some really fucked up stuff in here yes especially the ending where they're around the campfire which is this burning tree this burning stump of a tree and it's kind of cool they said you know this tree can't regenerate because of the fire but it can't burn away because it's, it's slowly regenerating so it's constantly all, it's, it's basically always burning and then at the end, we find out there's a skull in there because one of the people who tried to escape got caught and they brought him back and they threw his skull in. So he's constantly almost regenerating, but just getting burned. And it's like, I was just like, there's some really fucked up stuff in here that Chip Zdarsky's coming up with. Very much so. But I like this. I like the anthology. Jason Liu did one of the stories and Ethan Young, both writer artists. The idea is very good. And he keeps finding interesting twists and turns and facets of the story and the town. And it can't go on forever, but I like it. I'm back into it, I think. I think that it's the same thing. Like, we kind of lost the thread of what the overall series You know, you're focusing on one character, and it's the, the original guy who found out, like, he's from there, and his mom lives there. And then it got all big, and I lost track of it. And, like, these stories sort of brought it back to a personal perspective. But the fact remains, though, that, like, all of those people sitting around the fire telling the stories, I didn't quite know who any of them were because it's just been going on so long, and they're all, you know, white folks for the most part. There was finding some Asian people in this one. And it, like, I have lost, th- and, like, I know the boy's in charge, but I can't remember is he a good guy or a bad guy or what, or, you know. The kids are bad. Yeah. Kids are all oh, bad because they're all, they're all psychologically fucked up from being stuck as kids for however long they've been. Yeah, but the end of this sort of suggested that he's got a different. Also, I liked that this was not just an aside, but it seemed to have, it will have some sort of effect on the. Yes, overall story. On the overall story, but also, and I know this is the shorter section, but also uh, what I thought was weird about this, I enjoyed the issue, uh, yeah. is that 
they were telling stories out by the woods and it seemed kind of clandestine. Like we're going to talk about people who go away, you know, but the leader's yeah. there. Right. And all of this is like everybody's suspicious of each other and everybody's scheming and plotting. I was like, well, why are you all doing this together? And then the guy who whose job it is to go get the people and bring them back and punish them is also there. And I just was like, well, this is a bad idea for all of you. <laughs> but I can stuff that part down. I'm like, fuck it. What happens if you put them all in a room and have them talk? Right. You know, it, but, and like the hunter guy, th- this is why I thought it was in America, because there was Marines and that dude seems super. Oh, American right. Right, 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 right. Because he came from California in the beginning and. Maybe it's up like in the Pacific Northwest. I don't know where it is. Yes. So. There's guns everywhere. Yeah, so. the hunter guy says you know he's like well maybe he did get away and i was like well what are you being coy about it for <laughs> you know like it's your job to punish people you know and he pulled the skull out and i guess that's pretty definitive but yeah they didn't say who it was or whatever well now that we're gonna know because the leader tells him to take the skull out of the fire so he's gonna regenerate yeah. so i like that it was a one shot i like that it let us look around but i also like that it had consequences or it seems like it's gonna have consequences and it's a big reveal story. that the kid the leader of the kid has been leaving town and going to the next town over on a regular basis mm-hmm. to get burgers. And he's got some, he's got some plan to expand Stillwater, whatever that means. Yep. I liked yep. it. Yep, I did too. I'm assuming you did not read X-Men Unlimited Infinity Comic 26. It's a very long title. You don't have to assume. <laughs> this was one of Marvel's Infinite Scrolling Infinity Comics. I read it because it's a, as the title says, A Patty's Day Yarn by Declan Shalvey, Nick Roche, and Chris O'Halloran. And it's a little... Irish Tale featuring Banshee and Black Tom and Siren. I don't think it used the format successfully. Like, the only other Infinity comic I've read has been that Juan Ferreira one, Spider-Man one, which was really just sort of drawn to use the format of an Infinite Scroll. Whereas this felt mostly like they just took a regular comic and cut it up and just put the panels vertically. But Shalvi wrote it, Shalvi who is Irish, and it sounded incredibly authentic in a way these characters don't normally sound in comics. Mm-hmm. I should hope so. He went full in on the dialect. In fact, the whole thing was written in Gaelic. Right. A little while well, I'm actually looking at a page right now where, it, where Black Tom's dialogue is in Gaelic. Can you imagine the letter getting like Joe Caramani gets handed that? He's like, mother. What the fuck? <laughs> Going for donuts. You know the Duolingo app that teaches you language? Yeah. It does a bunch of them. And one day I was like, I'm going to try Gaelic. And nope. man, was that hard. <laughs> 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 it was like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. So this is the family story where, you know, Banshee was dead for a while, and so he comes back to his ancestral castle, because uh, everyone in Ireland has an ancestral castle. He wants to know why it's fallen into disrepair, and why is Black Tom running it, and why does he have a bunch of leprechauns as his, like, Oompa Loompa assistants, and it, it was just a, a story about feuding family members who settle everything by going for a pint at the end. It was a nice little uh, St. Patrick's Day read. Oh, that's but, grand. So I enjoyed it. I thought the Silver Coin 10 was the final issue. Because it sort of wrapped up all the stories, but then there's more. And it's written and drawn by Michael Walsh, who is the, right. you know, the, the guy in behind But then the at the end thing. it says next issue, and I was like, wait, what? I thought the same thing, and I got there and I thought, I think this is an ongoing. <laughs> and fair enough. I mean, an anthology horror series with one recurring theme that is done by top talent, mm-hmm. more or less... Right. should be quite a draw. And they're making it work. Walsh has drawn all these, yeah? Yeah. And he's the guy who's, you know, more or less in, in charge of it. It's his series, which yeah. is a really interesting setup. It should be successful. It should keep going. I think it's kind of cool that they're doing that. Yeah, no, it's just, it's just interesting because in this story, the 
Bitcoin. It's a complicated. Uh, I didn't get this story at all. The, the, yeah, the thing that this story did best was place me in a time. These kids are a little younger than us, but like I knew, and they showed them outside of the school and how they're addressed. And I was like, I know exactly where and what they are. And after that, right. I lost track of it. But that part was cool. Yeah. So the kids, you know, uh, they have the coin because that's what happens. Somebody has the coin, and there's a witchcraft scene, and it sort of summons the souls of all the people who, in the previous issues, have had the coin. So I thought, oh, so this is how you wrap up the story. So you you tie it all back together and, and go from there. Yeah, this is probably my least favorite issue. Mm-hmm. Of all of them, I think it referred back to one of the earlier stories about the Puritanism. Yes, that's where it started. That's where the right, coin was first. Right. They first. don't all do that, do they? Here, there's a page. What page? I just I was just scrolled past it. Why did I not stop? Page twenty on your digital reader. You know, you've got the musician in back there from one of the stories, and there's like four characters who had this coin before, who are sort of appearing behind the girl. I don't want them to all come together because I can't keep track of it. The fact that each issue is its own thing that works for me. Right. Because I'm not going to be able to. I didn't. Even they can't help that. it. I know they can't. What if they all come together? No, don't. The tales in the crypt didn't do that. <laughs> they just sort of, uh, you know, appear in ghost-like fashion behind the girl. They weren't like involved in the story, but no. other than the, the Puritan who started it all. Yeah. Are you going to stay with it? Yeah. I mean, every month I I think I want to, and they're interesting. It's not it's not my favorite genre, but it is something that's being executed at a high level. I think they all tend to read really fast. Mm-hmm. And so you'll see something interesting in there. You know, to me, every one of them has had something kind of interesting about it. And also, I I don't know really well all of the writers' work, but usually I recognize them. And I do like to see, like, well, what what is what kind of fucked up horror story is this person going to do? Because this isn't like the rest of their work. So, like, I think, you know, when Kelly Thompson did one, I was really interested just to see, you know, how she could move towards that kind of disturbed stuff or you know the other people Zdarsky I think did one Stephanie yep. Phillips I think did one but she's got another one coming up I think they're now reusing folks because I don't think there are enough people to keep this going <laughs> indeterminately in, in, right. yeah I'll keep reading it while it's coming out I think it's it's interesting and again it's outside of the genre that I don't like horror so you know and I keep getting interested in reading it so that's something at patreon.com slash ifanboy, patrons can vote to add a book to the rundown. All the patrons can do so. And this week, in overwhelming fashion, the patrons voted for Batman Superman World's Finest Number 1, which is also the pick of the week. So, ratings. I mean, I assume you're going to go five. Five stars. I'm going to say 3.75. 3.75. Wow. I mean, I liked it, but it didn't, like, I wasn't blown away by it. It was enjoyable. We talked about all those things. But, like, it's your thing. I was like, oh, he's going to love this. I thought it was good. That was really good, but I didn't I didn't love it. But I'm gonna read the next one for sure. Is there no joy left in your heart, Josh? Let's talk about bad furniture design in comics. <laughs> I wish that there had been a pizza scene in that book because then we could have really it would have tied had a it baseline. all together. Yeah. So thanks to the patrons who voted at patreon.com slash ifanboy is place to support the show directly. They have unlocked several shows that everyone gets to enjoy. They get perks, there's a hangout, there's a Discord and Facebook communities. All kinds of great stuff that happened at patreon.com slash ifanboy. The next stretch goal now is to add a comic book TV show podcast to our coverage of our suite of podcasts. So, you know, people ask me, are you going to do a show on Moon Knight or whatever? It's like, no, that's a stretch goal. we got to hit the stretch goal to have TV coverage. So we've gone back over the threshold for media splodes. We are relatively safe over that line. So you'll be having a media splode this coming week for our, our pre-Oscar show. So those are back on the table. But if you want to help support the show, if you want to keep the show going, and if you want to unlock even more shows for our very stretched schedule, stretched to the limit, 
You can do that at patreon.com slash ifanboy. Also, ifanboy.threadless.com is where you can buy our t-shirts, our various designs. We've got 12 designs, including our Gosh shirt, which is our newest design. We actually haven't talked about any designs in a, in a little while, so I think we're going to hold a 12 for a while until we come up with another idea. That's just to tell you we have nothing actively in the hopper. We did three or four designs last year, so... Yeah, well, we had been lax. Ifanboy.com slash support. That's where you can uh, tip us via PayPal directly if you don't want to be a patron or buy a t-shirt, which is totally fine. And Ifanboy.com slash Amazon is where you can find our Booksplode books. And Bookshop.org is where you'll find in, in relevant posts, mostly the Booksplodes, you'll find links to there. That those links will help support small bookstores, local bookstores directly. And uh, we thank everyone who helps support the show in all the various ways that you can do that. Thank you very much. And speaking of patrons... The patrons who give at the $5 or higher level get their superpower live on the show. It's a fun segment. How did we get so long already? You're in charge. I don't know. I haven't really been watching the clock, but now I see that we're already I haven't long. either. What the f- How did that happen? Uh, Nightwing. We have two Nightwing fewer books than normal. Still water. Yeah. I, listen, I don't know. Anyway, so, let's give these patrons their powers live on the show. All right. So Joshua Fisher. Mm hmm. Uh can sniff out evildoers he sniffs out evildoers he smells evil yeah well specifically evildoers those what do evil those that actually perform evil not just think evil yeah oh yeah yeah no it's evildoers evil do well you know for example when around him they should be where evildoers should be where they should be um upwind from him yeah, that's that's probably the best way. But he's 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 very good at sniffing out evildoers. The the Interpol will call him in. <laughs> he can't do it. He's not like he's not like he finds the evildoers and then makes them pay. Right. But he he'll, just can he'll smell leave them. He'll leave right to him. Yeah, he sniff, he he sniffs out evildoers. He can't do anything about it. I mean, we don't know that, but it's not related to any. There's what no level of evil are we talking here? What's the I threshold? Mean, if there was if there was an, an objective definition of evil then that would be probably defined by whether he sniffs them or not. <laughs> like, if he sniffs it, bing, 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 evil. So it's not necessarily criminal? No. Criminal and evil are not the same thing. Right. That's what I'm saying. Evil so what's doers. the threshold? Evildoers. All right. Yeah. If he smells it, it's evil. Yeah. I guess he's also then a complete judge of morality as well in an olfactory sense. Right. Simon knows all the truth in advertising. So, if he sees an ad that says like this will this product will do this, he knows if that actually will or not, or he knows if it is actually the world's best coffee, or whatever is whatever is boasted on in advertising. Simon knows the truth. Instagram is going to be a real different place for him. Yeah, that's bullshit. That thing won't do that thing. <laughs> this T-shirt is not a good T-shirt. <laughs> or that club does not have the most beautiful woman in L.A. Lucky Strike. It's toasted. <laughs> no, it isn't. <laughs> that doesn't count though because that's all Mad Men is all fictional advertising well actually not all of it but not all of it yeah well, Lucky Strike was real yeah but did, they didn't use that right that campaign Kodak yeah I like to watch like dumbass modern commercials and imagine Don Draper very solemnly pitching it that's like my favorite head game to play <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I don't see commercials very often and every once in a while, I do, like, because I like if I watch a basketball game or something, I'll yeah. try to see them. And sometimes I am uh, impressed by them being remarkably clever and well made. Yes. And other times I'm like, who the fuck is this for? There's one, <laughs> I don't know what the car is. There's a lady, and she is inside a 
SUV of some kind, mm-hmm. and she's talking about all the parts of it, and it's just maddening. It's just it's, oh, I really this is it's supposed to be feel good, and I, and I looked at her, I was like, what is this? And it, she's like some random brand influencer, but it's like having a meeting with a marketing person who you don't like trying to sell me a car. <laughs> and the State Farm ads are weird with the basketball players. Anyway. <laughs> Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can get a superpower live in the show like Joshua and Simon. Oh, well, I, I thought we were going to do more emails this time. Let's, um, yikes. Let's see here. The first one is a long discussion. I don't know if we want to get into. Let's start with, well, okay. Jack R. from Durham, North Carolina. Question, are you going to read the current Wonder Woman event, Trial of the Amazons? No. Further question, the advertisement is marketing it as, quote, the first Wonder Woman crossover in decades. Why do you think there aren't Wonder Woman events very often? Has there ever been a notable one? Further, further question is, it's the first Wonder Woman crossover in decades, an actual selling point. It didn't make me want to buy the book, just made me wonder why Wonder Woman never gets events. I've been thinking of this question since, since I saw that ad last week. Your third question answers your second question. Right. I like all the thinking that Jack R is doing here. Yeah. I have these kinds of conversations in my head, and I like that he's made it tangible. And he's, he basically did all the work for us. So Yes. The answer is no. Uh, the issue of the Trial of the Amazons came out this week, and I didn't read it. Of all the things to do with Wonder Woman, the Amazons is my least favorite part. I don't really care about all the machinations of the Amazons and the gods and all that stuff, so I didn't read it. I mean, there was an issue this week of Wonder Woman. I skimmed it because I read Wonder Woman, but I didn't. Since I'm not reading the crossover. I was like, I'm just going to skim this. I don't really care. What's it crossing over with? There's Wonder Girl, which I stopped reading, and then there's Nubia and the Amazons or something. I don't read that one either. I'm going to go ahead and say this. There's no way this is the first Wonder Woman crossover in decades. No, it's not. I mean, there was War of the Gods in the 90s, but there's not been very many. That was decades ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. There could be one in between. But the point is, why are there not many? Because Wonder Woman doesn't sell very well. Wonder Woman doesn't sell very well for many reasons, but one of them is also that nobody can figure out Wonder Woman. No one's got it. They put some of the best people on, and they're usually dudes. Well, right now, Becky Cloonan's writing it. It's... Yeah. With Michael W. Conrad and Joel Jones is writing the Wonder Girl book, but I enjoyed that book way more before it went back to the Amazons. Like when sure. she was off hanging out with the Asgardians and doing other stuff, I thought it was super fun. It was pick of the week once, but as soon as she got home and they got back into the mire of Amazonian politics, I was like, I just don't care about any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't. It seems like it'd be more interesting to see how she interacts with. Man, the larger man, not man, a dude, but you know, like because that's the fish out of water thing, and she comes, you know, from a different place, and and she has. And there was a little bit of that in the middle. It was like she she was back, and she was dealing with supervillains, and that was I can't remember if that was this run or the run previous to that. Wonder Woman as superhero is interesting to me. Wonder Woman as daughter of the Mascara, and I just uh, it's the same story over and over again. Can I use this opportunity to make, I think he's making this observation here, and and, uh, this isn't completely unrelated to Simon's superpower either, Mm -hmm. is that comic book marketing is terrible. And a large part of that is that the people who are doing the, there's no advertising. There's no going after how do we sell this comic, remove this event. But like every single word that has been used in a comic book in-house ad or article when somebody talks about it is just so overused that nothing means anything it's the first one woman crossover in decades and you make that question like is it an actual song no it doesn't it's it's terrible there's all these cliches that have been used some of the, like everything changes 
this time it's you know no one knows how to sell comic books at all well because you've you know you've got very junior people who yes. make hardly any money doing this stuff and there's not a reason to invest in doing it but yeah. also like i feel like there is this massive momentum you know how they've been doing it forever and it's like with how dad did it this is how right. we you know like they just keep doing the same things over and over again and I don't know if that's because they're not bothering or because there's no point in bothering because the audience is the same and they're going to buy what they buy anyway. So who gives a shit? Yeah. I mean, there was fun things that have been done over the years. And I, I saw recently our, our pal James Viscardi, who used to do the stuff at Marvel, talking about how much fun the Secret Invasion advertising was back then. Remember they used to, they did those like single issues of heroes being secretly squirrels? Like, yeah. It's not groundbreaking, but it was fun. You know, we, we used to make fun of Marvel announcing a new, a new team by dropping you know a, a photo of them in silhouette and then one new character a day we made fun of that because they kept doing it but like it generated a lot of conversation and a lot of fun speculation yeah. and who are these yes. people that kind of stuff hasn't happened in a long time yeah and and again i think there's probably reasons for that but it just i mean i don't read comic book interviews or people talking about the new right. books or you know like anytime you read somebody's press release about something is like it's all interchangeable nothing means a thing Right. And I find it really frustrating. You know what comic book interviews are usually like when people are talking? It's specifically when people are talking about a new book that they're trying right. to sell. Promotional interviews, not like long form. Yeah, interviews. it sounds like it, it's like it's like post game interviews in sports, which are the most pointless conversations <laughs> ever. Unless it's Greg Popovich. We went out there and we Spurs coach. We you know yeah. we tried real hard. Uh, I was hitting it tonight, you know, and it was our night. Yeah. They 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 had a good game. You know that's what comic book. You know you know yeah. I came in. I was really excited about this project. I've been super yeah. interested in this, and uh, you know it's, it's changing everything. I'm changing how I'm looking at my art, and yeah. uh, you know really really going after it. There's a lot of passion in it. Like just it doesn't mean anything. Where's our Greg Popovich? <laughs> just open loathing for the interviewer. I don't love it because I am and have been an interviewer. But I like watching it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Quick question from Randy R. from Ozark, Missouri. My family is visiting New York from Missouri in June, July. You guys always talk about your experiences living there on the show. Can you recommend the best places to go eat or go visit while we are there? No. That's what I was going to say, but I thought maybe you had something. Neither one of us have lived there in well over a decade. Yeah, it's true. And everything's changed. I can tell you, you can probably find a Citibank pretty easily now. <laughs> I was just thinking, like, maybe pre-pandemic I could have, but I don't even know what's open oh, anymore. Oh, wow, yeah. I don't know what survived. I don't know what's still in business. I mean, I haven't lived there since 2011, Yeah. so I don't even know what's around. But when I go visit, I basically stay in the three square blocks around my mom's place. <laughs> Here's what I would say, though, and, and these are, these are going to be more general. If you're coming from Missouri, get a bagel. Go to mm-hmm. almost anywhere. And pizza. And n- well, that was going to get to that. So there's okay. the bagel, you know, like big, fr- I mean, I guess you could go wrong with it, but, you know, depending on where you are, if you happen to be like at Zabar's, you see an H&H, or if you're in, uh, there's the Brooklyn Bagel Company, there's a bunch of I think of H&H around. only is, is down to one location. Yeah. So something like that, you can kind of like, if you see a big old fluffy, you know, like round bagel where the holes feel like get one of those i think about them all the time fresh out of the oven so the crust is hot and the inside's yep steamy you cannot get those anywhere else they do not exist you may have think you had a good bagel but you haven't i've tried slice of pizza you see pretty much any little corner pizzeria you Mm. go in and get a slice that's the thing it's kind of hard to get that wrong 
I would try a couple of different ones uh, throughout your yeah. like I, I like street food, like like this fine dining, whatever, I don't care. But like the sort of cheap working man food, you know, like get some slices of pizza different places, see what you like. You gotta fold them, do the thing. And it's still there and I'm never gonna forget about it. But if you find yourself at a Grace Papaya, this is my favorite hot dogs on earth. <laughs> not the street hot dogs. The street hot dogs are not good. They do in a pinch. They do in a pinch, but like a Grace Papaya hot dog is just I don't know what it is. They get it. It snaps right. when you bite into it. Oh, it's the best. They're cheap. I mean, they're not as cheap as they used to be, but they're still cheap. Yeah, that's what I would say. If you're, if for some reason you're in Astoria, get get Greek food. I think about maybe. That too. Who knows? Maybe it's a wasteland now. No, it's probably it's probably like Brooklyn was when you lived there. Well, I mean, it's who I don't even know what survived. I don't know what survived and what didn't survive. Yeah. I don't know what's still still open. That's a good point. I mean, when I went back for Christmas, a lot of the places I normally go to were not there anymore. So. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say. But, you know, you know, if you want to see the sites, see the sites. Josh and I used to work in the Empire State Building. Go to the top of the Empire State Building. It sounds cliche, but it's actually, it is really awesome up there. Yeah. I just, I, I like, go, I know, I like, if you've never been to New York, just walking around a given neighborhood, you know, going down, you know, to Prince Street or wherever is just, there's nowhere like it. Or walking around Midtown or going to the parks, you know, that stuff. I can't think of. Central Park know. is a legitimately beautifully designed. Yeah park so it's prospect park i mean i, I same guy same guy did both parks yeah yeah frederick law olmstead i believe we had more of an answer here than i thought we did but i just don't even know what's what's but specifics no idea yeah i don't know what's yeah. good i don't know it's been a while new york's hottest pot <laughs> i don't need that good i don't even know but hopefully that's a couple i mean all the cliche stuff you should just go still check it out you know if your family likes museums there's tons of great art museums and the natural history museum do there's tons of have, great places do they still have two boots pizza I liked Maybe. Two Boots a lot. That was one of my favorites. There was one in uh, the Grand Central concourse down there, but I don't think it's there anymore. Last time I was there, it wasn't there. Just the Magnolia down there, though. Two Boots is fine. I liked it. I know, like, I know what you said, but like, for some reason, when I saw one, I was like, okay, that's a little different than all the other stuff, and, and it was good. It's one of the yeah, I mean, it's not bad. I just, I don't yeah. think it's like mind blowing or anything. There was a great pizza place, Li Slice, Lic Slice, uh, where Ron used to live. I really liked that pizza too. There's, that's a good neighborhood for food. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you can find any kind of food you want, and it'll it'll be hopefully terrific. I could just go ahead and apologize to 99% of the listeners right now for that whole thing. <laughs> hey, you want travel log advice? Send it in to contact.fanboy.com. I just just like about Randy bagels did. and pizza. If you want comic questions like Jack wrote in, contact.fanboy.com. You can also write in for the Mediasplode show at the same address, but put Mediasplode in the title so we know. But, yeah, I mean, now I'm hungry. So that's cool. <sighs> Nothing else covers that stuff. It's just like there's, there's that food you can only get there. Yeah. <sighs> so I miss pizza. <laughs> there's a couple of okay places here in LA, but... It's not the same. Yeah. No, and I miss just going to grab a slice for lunch. That's my, that was my favorite thing. People here are like, we just had pizza. I'm like, yeah, you don't understand. I used to have pizza for lunch every day. Yeah. I wouldn't even talk about Chinese food. I mean, <sighs> that's okay. Not, it's okay. I, I'm <laughs> I got a full day to get through here. Where are we at? Oh. Plug. So we had a lot of special shows in the last month. We had a show every week, actually, starting with Talksplode. Josh's part two interview with Will Dennis is the 100th episode of Talksplode. That's back in the feed. Then after that, we had our Booksplode review of the New Teen Titans, The Judas Contract. We talked a lot about George Perez and his art in that review. And then after that, we had the review of The Batman, in which me and Mike Romo and Henry Nazarbach talked about that film. And then right behind the show in the feed, this week we had the review of Catwoman Hunted, the latest DC Universe animated original film that Ryan Haupt and Paul Montgomery and I reviewed. And uh, you can find that right behind this show on the feed. And then next week, we're having another show, as I talked about earlier, our Media Splode show, since it's been saved by the patrons. We are doing our 
regular media flow. Part of the show will be pre-Oscars. We don't do the whole show about that, but we'll, we actually haven't even talked about what it's going to be about yet because we haven't recorded it yet. That'll be coming out this coming week. You'll find that on the feed. It's not on here, but I can tell you what the next week is going to be too. The next what? The next show after that. The week after that. What? We got a talk split. You recorded it? Yep. Daniel Warren Johnson and I talked for a good while Oh. Uh, about his career and his work. I always say this, but like I love doing those shows, and he's a great guy, and he was fun to talk to. He had an excellent microphone. Because he does YouTube. He yeah. live streams his art on YouTube. Yep. Well, he's got a Shure SM7, which I believe you have as well. Yes. Yeah, so I got on the show, I was like, you sound fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Usually, I just have to be like, can you just make sure you have headphones? But no, he's way ahead of that part. So uh, I didn't even know you recorded that yet. There you go. Congratulations. Did it last night. Good to go. I didn't know a damn thing about him. And those are the ones where like, I get worried because I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I can handle But, you know, good people are easy to talk to. And we both like comics, so we get there. It's a good show. I think we're going we're gonna to double up this month to get back on track with another book explode. And we're going to do a, a Will Eisner's Classic A Contract With God. So both of those shows will be coming out uh, in April. How are we already? No, we're in March. What month are we in? My talk explode is March. Your media explode should be April. Or, I'm sorry, Books Blood should be April. We're good. And then the Talks Blood will be in May. I'm sorry. Contract with God is April. That'll be in April. Yeah, which is correct. We'll deal with this after the show. <laughs> this is your job. I can't do this. I have. I, it's somewhere. I've got a schedule. You can find all of our shows over at ifanboy.com, as well as Connor's schedule about the archive of great comic book writing from our talented staff over the years. A lot of people. A lot of people. A lot of time. Great people, wonderful people. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Uh, to find out through the pick of the week is before the show comes out, follow at iFanboy on Twitter, at iFanboyComics on Instagram. You can follow us individually at CSCO Patrick on Instagram and at JFlanag on Instagram. You can subscribe to our YouTube page over at youtube.com slash iFanboy to keep up to date on the old video show reuploads. All the full-length shows are up there for your viewing pleasure or displeasure, as the case may be. We're just doing minis, which are going up now, which were our smaller daily shows. This past week, we had the pick of the week, which was Secret Invasion number five. We had just referred to that earlier that's uh, what's the word kismet what's the synchronicity coincidence there you go <laughs> it's coincidence josh you don't need to use fancy word and old ads the punisher number three where we looked at old ads in comic what a great concept that was i'm yeah. not being sarcastic who did that you that was your bit okay old ads was my that bit was you pat yourself on your back if we all did it I didn't mean it like that. I didn't know it was me. I, I pictured you doing it because <laughs> no, no, little comic book ads are fantastic. Yeah. Wow, Punisher number three. Look at that. Yeah, so that's all I have to say. Connor, you have the next part here, according to the paperwork. I was looking at the schedule while you were talking about that. If you like the show, please leave a review or start rating on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Not only for this show, but for any podcast you listen to. It's a great way to help a show you enjoy. It's easy to do. It's very quick. And, we, and every show you do it for would appreciate it. And even better than that, it's word of mouth. Tell your friends and your family, your coworkers. While you're sitting there awkwardly on Zoom waiting for everybody to show up to a meeting, just start talking about the podcast you enjoy. People like that. But like, don't give it a preamble. Just start talking. I <laughs> no think context. the thing that I like best in audio podcasts <laughs> is like, what? And, but don't stop to answer questions. Just keep, plow through. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the best way to handle those awkward moments before the meeting yes, starts. Even yes, better. Yes. I don't know where I'm at. All right. So anyway, thank you. Everybody does all those things. We appreciate it. That's it for this week's show. I'm Connor. I'm Josh. Thanks so much, everybody. Take care of yourselves and other people. <laughs>